This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hi, everybody. Hello. Good, good after morrow. <laughs> is that, we were looking up the word morrow, actually. Wait, hold on. Because actually, what do you think the word morrow is? Hold on. Let's just do this really quick. All by itself. Morrow. What do you think the word morrow is? Um, like, I don't know, maybe like the next set of things you have to do. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me like a, we like looked a, it up and it was completely wrong. Is it like a schedule or like a no, that would because I used to look at Stuart, which is my husband, my partner's name, and I would say good morrow, but it's actually the following day because it's tomorrow. So to the following day, to so it already means the following day. Right. But when I'm saying good morning, I'm or good morrow, I'm saying good next day and like good next day to you, I guess. But then also it's kind of cool because it says the near future. So I guess it's me wishing you a good future. Good morrow. Anyway, sorry. That was it. Okay. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Okay. So one of the huge things that comes up like, and it crosses into a bunch of different topics that we are unpacking here is people pleasing. Mm. Um, people pleasing is kind of like the set of traits that you develop through, you know, various fawn trauma responses throughout your life. And, um, it shows up in a, a almost every part of your life. It, it has the potential to show up like basically anywhere. I actually love that you, you said that for some of our listeners that are getting used to some of the psychology terminology, like when we say fawn, it's actually a newer term for people in the psychology world. So it's, it's it's slowly getting into the regular culture. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you think about what fawn is and we use it kind of interchangeably with people pleasing, but it's, it's a trauma response. And it's one of those things that like, I, like many things in our culture gets very normalized where it's almost like a quirky personality. Oh, I'm just a people pleaser. Right. Like, and where you hear it's so normalized where someone's like, this is just who I am. And, and they identify with it and they, they almost hold it in a place of kind of accolade in sorts, right? Where you're saying, yeah, I'm just, that's just kind of how I am, you know? And if I took that down and I said, you know, if we break that down for a second, you know, and we're looping this back to patterns of how you felt safe growing up and how you felt safe in friendships and in authority and how you reacted with these possible experiences of what you thought was a threat to safety. Mm -hmm. It's interesting if you look at your pattern, if you constantly soothe the aggressor, okay? So when I mean aggressor, I don't mean they're physically threatening you. Yes, at times this can happen in people's lives, but they might not be physically threatening you. They might just be, you know, maybe a really strict teacher. So you're trying to be the teacher's pet or Mm -hmm. it's a really hard coach. So you're trying to push yourself a little bit hard. So the coach favors you a little bit. You're just trying to, you're just trying to go the extra mile, so to say 
for this coach that is just so harsh on people that you're just saying, you know what, if I'm the best, or if I'm, you know, go and get donuts for the team, or if I do this or it, right. It's soothing the intensity and hoping that they take favor with you. Right. Well, and sometimes not even outright favor, but in some cases it's just staying under the radar. Right. So like, just don't pick me. Don't, don't seem like I'm just going to be that straight A student. I'm going to hand my work in in time. I'm going to just, you know, be the, follow the straight and narrow. So that way I just don't become, you know, a target of (laughs) whatever the case may be. And it can show up socially in friend groups and things like that, where there's, you know, a, a leader or multiple leaders of the group that make these sort of like social rules amongst the group and you got to do things this way. And so you just kind of play along into it, even if it's things that you wouldn't choose for yourself, you just do it because, well, you just want to keep the peace. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, what's interesting is like a lot of times when you think of the peacemaker role in psychology, like the, the role in the family or the role in the friend group or whatever, it's interesting because it's like, well, how is the peace being kept? Because when you think about like peacekeeping and people pleasing and the, the link between the two, it's like a lot of people pleasing cannot just be tangible things. Like I went and got and did this for them or whatever. It's sometimes, you know, calming the chaos and trying mm-hmm. to be like, let's say the voice of reason or whatever. Right. And so actually this brings up a memory and I'll share. These are my little personal anecdotes. I remember like, this is a, you know, I am a people pleaser in recovery. Um, but this concept of, I remember being so ingrained in my people pleasing that when I would go to parties, any, any type of like gathering of sorts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I could tell that someone was either bringing up a topic that was a little questionable, like something political or something, you know, cause I was in mm-hmm. very, I was raised mm-hmm. in you know, a religious background, but then I got into very strict religion stuff. So then when anything religious came up, I could tell, I would like read the room and I'd be like, Ooh, the tension's rising. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I tell you, I would literally disrupt the conversation on purpose, knowing Mm -hmm. that it would soothe the tension in the room. So I would literally be like, okay, guys, like, let's just, let's just start, let's just start getting our plates together and start dinner. Like, you know, listen, I want to talk about this because what you're talking about is, is I want, it's adding an angle here that I think a lot of people miss with people pleasing. A lot of people think of people pleasing as that you are the one, like if I'm the people pleaser that I'm going to benefit from my people pleasing tactics or, or reactions or whatever. And that's why I do it. But most of the time it's not like it, it, it can be that sometimes it can be about like just avoiding trouble for yourself or, you know, whatever the case may be, but so much of the time it's about a greater dynamic. And you take that upon yourself where you're, you know, the oldest child in a sibling group and you know that you have an unstable parent. And so you take it upon yourself because you don't want your siblings to become, you know, the target of some abuse that day. So you take it upon yourself to do everything to like, keep that parent happy and make sure they have their favorite 
you know, food at their bedside and you go get them a cup of water and you keep all the kids quiet. So that way everything stays peaceful. And it's barely about you. It's really just like, I just don't want anything bad to happen to anyone. So I'll take this upon myself to soothe the situation and soothe that aggressor, like what you're saying. Exactly. And a lot of it, I use the word soothe the aggressor. Sometimes it's buffering situations. So you're trying to like ease the tension in a different way. So sometimes it's kind of odd, but people pleasers can actually become uh, like, this is a tough one. I don't know if we want to venture on this in the episode, but like, for example, things are getting bad, right? Whether it's parent or like a friend group. So they are just, they become the scapegoat, right? They're like, I'd rather have it not happen to Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be by like trying to please and soothe the aggressor, I'm going to be the person that they're just mad at. Right. So I'd rather have it just come to me than have it happen to everybody or all of like the siblings or whatever. Right. And that is tough because it's like, is that people pleasing? It's, it's, it's so trauma rooted. It's so trauma rooted at that point where you're realizing that this is actually becoming so entrenched in itself. It's like, okay, well, let's just keep the peace now. Okay. The peace is disrupted. Okay. Now what do I do? Okay. So I couldn't keep them quiet. So now what can I do? And something went wrong. And so do I take it on? Right. Okay. So now I'll take it on. Right. And it's like different people are going to choose different paths, right? Some of them are going to say, okay, I'll, I'll Mm -hmm. take it on. Some of them are going to say, I did what I could. I'm going to let it go kind of thing. But it's, it's, this is where so much of people pleasing is important to hold space for like the trauma behind it. Right. So much of people, that's how it develops. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that trauma narrative? So this is why we're talking about this today, because if you think about what does it mean to unlearn people pleasing, like what, what are we doing and how is it actually going to show up? It's really tough. It's a lot of work in the beginning because we are realizing that this is what I hear time and time again. And CA's also heard this and the people she's worked with is this concept of like, you're hearing, I don't know what's underneath the personality of my people pleasing. Like they don't know who they are if they take that away. So if someone, if I look at someone and I say, okay, we're going to start practicing unlearning our people pleasing. They're going, that's just how I interact with people. Like that's just literally how I conceptualize everything about how I interact with people. So even, even simple things like not having the, not having taken time to discover your own like interests or likes. And so you end up like having these huge areas of your life where you have no opinion on things. And okay. And so like people sometimes like laud that quality of like, oh, they're just so easygoing. They're so flexible. Like they're so go with the flow. Are they, or do they just not have any concept or connection to their own thoughts or opinions on that? Because they were never allowed to explore that for themselves. Something as simple as what type of food do you like to eat? What type of restaurant do you like to go to? Do you even like to go out to restaurants? If you have spent your whole life as a people pleaser, you might not develop a sense of knowing that stuff about yourself because whenever it's time to go out to eat, you just let everyone else decide. You're just, okay, I don't, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, we'll just do that because you know that if you add another voice to the fray, it could 
mess up the balance. Right. And so you're like, okay, we'll just do whatever other people want to do. Well, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What's everybody else getting? I mean, seriously, how many times do you hear that? What are you getting? What's everybody else getting? Cause you, do you want to make sure that you're, you're, you know, doing the same thing? <laughs> like you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to like get a huge meal and everyone was just here for appetizers or whatever, you know? And so I don't know. It's like, it's so what I mean when I say it shows up everywhere. (laughs) Well, I I think you touched light on where we would be heading for kind of working on strategies and like what this would be about today, which is, you know, so much about unlearning, like who we have become and deconstructing, deconstructing that, like what, what are we right now? Deconstructing what we are right now Mm -hmm. is there is this call to action. And this is why you hear these phrases so many times in our podcast, but it's a call to action of authority, authority over your own life. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I look at you and I say, what do you want for dinner or whatever? Okay. And you sit there and you realize I hold space in this conversation. I have a place here. Mm -hmm. I have a right to speak. Yeah. I have a right to speak, right? It's like, yes, you do. And you do have a voice and you do mm-hmm. have a place in this conversation. Right? right. And so when, when people don't realize that they do have a place in this conversation, of course, the psychology part of me says, I wonder if that was taken from them, that someone mm-hmm. said, you don't get a say, right? You don't get a say, you don't get to talk about what you want. You don't get to tell me what you feel or who you are or whatever. I get to tell you who you are. I get to tell you what you want. I get to tell you what you like. Right. And whoever that is, right. Whoever that person is in your life, unlearning that means becoming your own authority. So if we're talking about steps, I mean, let's, let's kind of start with steps. So if we're talking about steps, what would this look like in regards to like first step? So first step, right. Is always awareness, right? Like that pause moment where you, you have that temptation to put yourself aside and, you know, give to the situation or to the other person and whatever the dynamic is. Um, and you have that sense inside of you of like, there's always that little voice that's going like, okay. Like, I feel like I have to do this because of reasons, whatever. But then there's this other part of you that's like, but we need to do blank. Right. And so who are you going to honor? Like, are you going to honor yourself or are you going to honor what is being asked of you from this other person? So there's like that awareness. So start, like start, they always have to start with awareness, like start noticing if you feel that tension in some of the interactions in your life. If you have this moment of somebody's asking something of you. And there's this part of you that's trying to pull you and say, Hey, we can't do that. We can't give that. We can't show up like that. So try to listen for that. I would say is probably for me, that's like, that's how it started was like, it's just trying to hear that voice for the Mm -hmm. first time. Right. And I think that's what you're, that's, that's really the foundation of why asking these questions towards yourself is so important. Literally hearing the dissonance, feeling the dissonance, embodying the dissonance and, and actually taking that seriously, because Mm -hmm. I think people just 
feel as though that dissonance is just part of their life, right? Where someone asks you to do something and you're like, oh, I really like can't do that. But then you're like, but I have to, because like, if I don't, they're going to think I'm a bad friend or they're going to judge me or they're going to think I'm blank and blank or whatever. And I go, guys, like if you have that tension, that means the other side of that request is something you need to hold space for. Okay. So if someone asks me to, I don't know, like, Hey, I, I guess we, we used an example earlier of like a friend calling me when I had a paper due. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I have a paper due it's due at midnight and they text me urgently at like eight o'clock and I'm in the middle of the paper and they're like, Hey, I need you. Um, terrible day. I'll catch you up on the phone. You know, I don't know if people call each other anymore. (laughs) I'll call you up when we FaceTime or whatever. Um, but I really need you right now. And you're literally standing or sitting in front of your computer and you're just sitting there like immediate dissonance because you're in the middle of something that is required for you to complete for yourself, for your own educational merits. Like you are actually doing it for yourself. So you are getting an outside request that's saying, Hey, I also need you. The paper needs you. You need to, to take care of yourself. And someone else is saying, Hey, I need some kind of interaction. Mm -hmm. So when I tell people, what does the dissonance feel like? Mm. You are going to sit with that and you are going to take a moment and you're going to acknowledge that someone's going to be requesting something from me the majority of the time, guys, like this isn't something that's going to go away. If it's not a best friend, it's going to be a partner. It might eventually be a child, depending on your life choice, like whatever it becomes, somebody is always going to want something from you. And usually I like that you said, what does that feel like? Because usually it is a feeling somewhere in your body rather than a conscious thought, especially if you've developed this set of traits over your entire life, you're not really having a lot of conscious, like thought around this tension or dynamic, but your body's going to tell you it's there. Your body is going to sit there and you're, you know, maybe your spine gets tight and your chest gets tight and you feel like heat coming up in your neck or like, just like everything's just starting to get like tight. That's for me that like, I'm describing, I guess my own symptoms, like that's what it feels like for me. It's like, everything starts to feel constricted and like my vision narrows and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, and and I start to feel like trapped. Yes. Yes. And this is where it's that connection with self. That is such a foundational element of unlearning because you are learning the things that your body has been telling you the whole time. It's either been normalized or you've just thought well, this is just how things are when I interact with social, right? People are like normalizing social anxiety. I go in some ways, socialization, sure. Like we, I don't want to dismiss that. Of course there can be massive tensions, but I genuinely question if every time you're around somebody, we're either dealing with maybe an undiagnosed neurodivergency or, I mean, not, not foolproof. I'm not trying to sit here and armchair diagnose, but it could be undiagnosed neurodivergencies. It could be trauma that was unexamined, or it could be like cycles that you've learned that social environments aren't safe in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to sit with that concept of, 
when you have these interactions and they're, they, they speak to your body. Okay. They yes. speak from your body. I should say it's a disservice to your healing, to ignore them. It's a disservice to yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause when we feel that tension, we like CA just said, I have worked with so many people that say, I asked them to identify a thought in that moment. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like I can even think about like recently working with someone that like, when I ask them, they're going, there are no thoughts. Mm-hmm. There are no thoughts. I just get this very intense. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, mm-hmm. generalize phrase, right? yeah. but mm-hmm. a very intense feeling in my throat or a very intense feeling in my chest, or mm-hmm. I get shooting shoulder pain or something. Right. And then I go, okay, so there's no connection to the thought right now. There is no thought about that. And they're like, no, isn't that weird? Right. Maybe I should go to the doctor. And I sit there and I go, well, something has gotten that has gotten so normalized that the brain doesn't even link it anymore. It's not going to link the thought anymore. It's just going to say, Hey, I'm still here. It's still in my body, but like you've treated this as so normal that like, I guess it's not like, I'm not going to call recall why it's particularly a problem, right? This is not all or nothing. Cause there are some people that can have like, on, you know, sure. their memory is hard to, you know, their memory hasn't really linked it or something. So mm-hmm. this is what we mean by lead, like body led, like some, some therapists also are like, they are body led therapists. They actually let the body lead mm-hmm. and you follow the body, right? You follow mm-hmm. the body first and then eventually ask yourself, well, why would this tension even be here in the first place? Right? So if I'm interacting with my friend and I love my friend, let's say it is CA. CA is calling me like terrible day. I need to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. I love her. She's someone that isn't cruel. She's not manipulative. Right. And I do love her and I want to talk to her. I just also feel that tension. And so if I examine that tension, it's not about CA. It's about something about that interaction is a threat to my own autonomy. Like I'm, I'm feeling as though I can't make a free choice now, mm-hmm. which is that CA's fault, right? If she isn't manipulative and harmful and hurting me, like I wouldn't say it is her fault. It's me saying it's, it's the honest of responsibility, the, 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 the falling on me is important for me to look at like, okay, so I am having this dissonance. I can ignore it and say, okay, I'll, I'll answer the phone. Right. Or I'll go on the FaceTime or I can say, what is this dissonance teaching me about this situation? And so now I can sit with that information and I can say, okay, if I don't want to FaceTime right now, is it because I don't want to help CA Mm -hmm. or is it because there's something else going on, which, you know, is the paper being written that I need to hold space for an honor about myself. I actually, it's my body speaking and saying, Hey, can you please advocate for this situation? Right. So I'm actually really glad that you used like somebody you love as the other person, because I think that's another misconception about people pleasing is people only assume that you people please to people that you're like afraid of. And I, that is not the case at all, at all. It, the reason people think that is because it often began that way, right. In childhood or in like dynamics that were 
there was a power imbalance or whatever, like there was that. And that's how these tendencies built up over time inside of you. However, as you go on with life, you will apply those tendencies to a lot of areas of your life, including the people that you actually genuinely do love. And they never required that of you. They've never made you feel unsafe or like you had to show up in those ways, but you just do anyway, because that has become your default at a certain point. Um, so I just, I wanted to point that out because I felt like that was really important to sit with, to let people understand that it's not that you just people please in situations where you feel that there's like some repercussions that are going to happen. If you, if you don't people please to the other, it's oftentimes it's just like, it's just what you think you have to do because it's how you've hardwired your brain <laughs> right. um, to, to think about things and how you respond to situations. So back to like the steps. Uh, yeah. I think that links really well with the steps. Yeah. So back to the steps where it's in that moment where you go, okay, I know that I have to honor myself and I have to get this paper done. Um, but I also really care about this person and I, I, they need me. And that feeling is like powerful. It's a very powerful feeling when you, you feel this like pull, um, to show up for somebody, especially if you care about them. And so, yeah, I think the, the action step there is to start figuring out, okay, how do I honor is there a way to honor both? Is there a way to put up a boundary that doesn't feel rejecting to the other person in their time of need, but also lets me do what I have to do. And this is going to tell you a lot about the dynamic of the relationship that you're dealing with (laughs) based on how they respond to you honoring yourself and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, Hey, I hear you. I'm so sorry. You had a bad day. I am just sitting down. I got to knock out this paper. It's literally due at midnight and I have to get it done. Um, can I, can I catch up with you first thing in the morning? You know, like something like you, you do let them know. And then how they respond to that is going to be very educational to you to understand what kind of dynamic you're actually dealing with, with the other person. Right. Okay. So if you think about the way someone is responding to you showing up for yourself, right. And this actually links really well to boundaries because what that is a personal boundary. Like I need to respect my assignment that I have due, right. So I'm actually acknowledging that. But if you're a people pleaser, there is a tendency there that you might've self-rejected and you were like, okay, whatever. I'll just go on the phone with you for two hours and basically go down to the wire and try to get this paper done in like an hour. Okay. Um, you got to think about the way the person reacts to you honoring your own needs. This is a very nuanced conversation. So we're kind of walking gently through this. We need you all to hear why this is so nuanced. The reason why it's nuanced is when we start showing up to situations in a new way, psychologically, that is going to disrupt the expectation of the other person, whether or not you're dealing with someone who's toxic or someone who's trying to harm you or trying to actually help you, regardless of how innocent or malicious this person is. Showing up to that experience in a new way will be shocking or surprising to that individual, okay? Mm -hmm. So if I'm best friends with CA and every single time, every single time she texts me to FaceTime, I would answer the phone. Or I would go ahead and like speak to her for a while. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
for her to genuinely be like, oh, I didn't expect you to say that, right? Isn't necessarily her manipulating me, okay? Mm-hmm. It's genuinely, I, I, I don't it's know. It's like an adjustment. It's right, just like an adjustment. An adjustment. Yeah. They're just sitting there going, okay, uh, oh. I expected this and it didn't happen and this is new. And the brain's just sitting there trying to understand like what's happening. Right. (laughs) And so of course, this is where we have to be kind of gentle on the adjustment. So we have to be gentle on this adjustment for people. Cause if I look at CA and I see her having a reaction where she's like, Oh, I didn't expect you to do that. And I'm already wounded. Cause this is a hard thing for me to do. I might be like, see, this is why I don't try to do this because my friends are just like rejecting me. And they also think I'm a bad friend. And I spiral down and I'm like, see, this is why she's basically saying she's disappointed in me. Right. Okay. This is where we're walking very lightly into this conversation because her response to my change as long as we can be aware of whether or not that's being like manipulative or harmful, if they're just shocked or kind of confused, it's genuinely to a, that's a genuinely like reasonable response to a radical change of behavior. Okay. Mm -hmm. When we go into the more malicious side, right. It's, it looks darker. The response looks less like confusion. Mm. It looks Mm -hmm. like punishment, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. I don't know why I even try or it's Mm -hmm. all or nothing immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, can you even spin off? I would say like with, with a malicious person on the other end of you showing up in a new way, as you typically have with people pleasing tendencies, you show up and you decide to be honoring to yourself instead of the other person's ask. Um, the first thing you're going to get actually, before you even get to the punishing phase, the first thing you're going to get is one to three to five, whoever knows how many attempts more to push it past that boundary. Sure. Sure. Right. You're still going to get, you're going to get, can you just please, can you please like just 10 minutes? Like I literally just need to talk to you for a couple minutes. Like, come on, like your paper can wait. You'll be fine. Right. Yes. And just like literally yes. not it's listening. Attempts. Yeah. So it won't always immediately you... go there. Yeah, absolutely. It'll go to like the, I'll just try to like push mm-hmm. the bear, like poke the bear a little bit. And think about how hard that is for the people pleaser, because all of a sudden they're, they're now like, it was hard enough for them to try to Let's honor themselves the first time. And then they get these compounded, like bombarded asks and the other person's unfortunately, you know, trying to manipulate you. And so they're making it sound like it's not that big of a deal. And so you might literally, there's a part of you that might eventually break down and be like, okay, like, fine, I can do 10 minutes, 10 minutes. But then that person takes an hour, even though they only asked for 10. And so you're like, oh my gosh. Right. And then there's a whole cascade that we'll get into about what happens internally to the person who gave in to their people pleaser, but we'll get there in a minute. So anyway, so, but say you say you did hold strong and you were just like, no, I, I really can't. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know that you need to talk to somebody right now. It just can't be me tonight. I have to do this paper. Okay. And you put up that firm boundary. Then you get to the punishing. Yes. Then you if start. They know that they have exhausted their efforts. It's mm-hmm. going to be it might look pretty rough, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. and this is what's, this is, <laughs> this is where so much of people pleasing is like, when I say become your own authority, you have to know 
your own truth. You have to understand, am I a good friend? Am I there for my Mm. friends? And is honoring my own needs needs yeah valid right is it valid because if you actually assert yourself over what your needs are but you actually don't think they're valid then you are going to be the one that walks all over your own needs you're going to be the one that says it's not important right you're going to be the one that when enough pressure comes up you're going to say you're right it isn't as important right and so you're the one who's going to be the one walking all over it instead of the other person walking all over it right Mm -hmm. So it's interesting when you sit there and you're looking at like how this dynamic plays out. And this is actually what me and C are trying to outline is the reason why people pleasing can become so difficult is it's so bound to others Mm -hmm. because the, the actual, the action in and of itself is done with an external stimulus, right? Exactly. Right. And so this is why you have to realize that some of this unlearning isn't just your own work. It is actually realizing that depending on who I'm interacting with, Mm -hmm. I am either going to have a very simple time learning the people pleasing. And I might be met with a little confusion, but then the friend goes, Oh, you know what? I'm glad you told me about the paper. I didn't know you had a paper due. Mm -hmm. Thank you for telling me. I get it. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you can like, just text me before you go to bed tonight. So we can kind of touch, touch base, you know, and I can tell you a little bit, whatever, um, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay. You either have a very like kind of slow, like no rockiness at all transition into this. Or if you are in a particular environment where it doesn't suit the external for you to be self-actualized and Mm self-sovereign, you are the one who knows yourself and you are your own authority. If you are in an environment where that's a threat, you are going to get some serious pushback. Serious. And that's pushback. what we were talking about with C, mm-hmm. what CA was alluding to is the punishment becomes actual character assassination where I'm going to look at CA. If I am, if it, well, actually let's flip roles. So <laughs> I'm like, CA is the one who asked me to mm-hmm. be the person and I am upset that I can't get FaceTimed with because I need her. Okay. If I'm in the role and I switch roles and I sit there and I go, you know what? You're never there for me. Well, first of all, if you've been following along, we know immediately that I, and so does CA, work really hard to not use always and never in our vocabulary and in our vernacular. We don't, well, I I mean, I have an, I do on occasion, Mm -hmm. but it is actually one of those words that my brain has flagged that when I say always and never, I have mm-hmm. to really mean always and never. Yeah. So in past versions of myself, right. We love past versions of myself because they're, they're works in progress, but past versions of Jamie would be in a fight saying to my partner, you never do this, mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. ever. You never pull this weight that I need you to pull. You never show up. Right. That's a past version of myself. So immediately, once you hear that, what I want anyone who's listening to think about is always and nevers are 
telling on themselves that they are all or nothings. These are all or nothing statements that if you look at a friend and say, you're never there for me, mm-hmm. genuinely, I have questions. <laughs> I genuinely have questions because if I sit there and I look at my best friend and I tell her she's never there for me, genuinely, that's concerning because why would I be for a in a friendship that's like that. Right. So Mm -hmm. obviously if I love her and we are connected, it's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. immediately I'm trying to throw an untruth at you. Right. And then you'd be going on the defensive, right? That's not true. That's not true. Well, you're not here for me today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That also can coexist. I cannot be here for you today and be here for you at other times in our friendship. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's one of the punishments, right? Is this like character defamation, insulting sort of method, right? And that's usually like a very immediate thing that happens. Another one of the forms of punishment is the the delayed punishment, where then there's these kind of like vindictive digs at you in the future or whatever. And sometimes it can be kind of obvious and overt, like you text them and then they ghost you and they ignore you. And then after like three days of the silent treatment, right. They might text you and be like, see how it feels <laughs> like dead. Okay, serious. Can we just pause here? Like if that happens to you, can we just all throw the big red flag? Like I'm so serious. If someone says like, how do you like it? I just sit there and I go, we're mm-hmm. in another, another stage of yes. like, <laughs> This is not good people. Um, but so that's like stuff. kind of like a really overt version, know, but usually what you're going to get is a little bit more covert versions of that. And so it might just mean, you know, the next time you're hanging out with that person, they're just cold to you and a little more standoffish. And if you try to like talk to them or connect to them about something, they're just like, Oh yeah, cool. And then they're just like, not because they're still like mad at you and they're trying to get you to like get back in their good graces. Right. And so they want to see if you'll grovel and, and get back to what we had, you know, and they're hold, they're still holding the power. Right. And they're like holding it over you that like you somehow or another did something to them. And so you owe them in some way. And there's that weird dynamic that you'll feel in those situations. Like, what did I do? And then that's that they want to get you into that place where like, what did I do? What's going on? What can I do? Like, please, like, can we just, can we just be friends again? Like, what do you need? Another variation of you. Yeah. Yes. That's another variation of you looping back. That's what they're trying to get from you is for you to come back to soothe the, the right. It's the soothing of the aggressor. Like, right. Or here's, here's another, here's another way that we could like outline this. Okay. Because that exact example speaks so much to your own sovereignty and your own authority. Cause if I sit there and I go genuinely, because that's a genuine question. If you start giving me the cold shoulder and I say, see, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just sit here and act like you're like not ignoring me. So what is going on? Genuine question. Okay. And you say nothing, nothing. Right. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't think you have a lot of time to talk about it because you never have time for me. Right. And I sit there and I go, if you aren't willing to admit that this is, this behavior is linked to two days ago, mm-hmm. I don't know what I have a conversation about this. If you are concerned about this experience that we had with FaceTime 
Mm -hmm. I'm not going to apologize for me attempting to pass this class. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to apologize for advocating for myself. I will make time for you because you are a friend of mine and I'm not going to always be available Mm -hmm. when you're calling on me. And I know that that sometimes doesn't serve friends. Some friends really want that from people. I can acknowledge that. This is one of the things that actually me and my partner talk about is that sometimes you're in friendships with people where your expectations don't match genuinely, Mm -hmm. right? Where you genuinely want to talk to me every day. Okay. And because we, let's say we have a history or something, and maybe I had a life that I could talk to every single day. Mm -hmm. Okay. If your expectations is that you do need to touch base with me every single day. And I evolve, adapt, something new comes into my life. I really don't have the ability to keep that expectation met. All it takes is to have a genuine overt conversation exposed into the air saying, it sounds like your expectation is that you would like me to touch base with you every day. And that's valid because that's something that we had for years. We did this all the time. I need to honor that the circumstances in my life has changed. I've had it. I got a different job. I have a different responsibility now and I'm doing my best to balance it. So I am just laying out that I am not able to meet that everyday expectation. So this is where the autonomy comes in. I am not seeing change. I'm not threatening them. I'm not saying change or else. Right. right. I'm not saying you're losing. Right. I literally am saying we have now come to an impasse where like you have an expectation and I have an expectation and I am holding myself accountable and you're holding yourself accountable. And I just need you to ask yourself if you're able to adapt, if you're not able to adapt, right. Mm-hmm. Then we just have two different expectations of our friendship. That's right. it. Right. Okay. And so if you sit there and you go, well, why do I have to adapt? But you're not adapting. Right. And I say, I have a different circumstance that I can't withhold that expectation. I can't, or not withhold. I can't uphold. I can't uphold mm-hmm. that expectation mm-hmm. anymore. And I'm trying to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. I can't uphold it. I don't want you to continually think that I can because I'm not able to, I'm not able to hold up to hold that expectation. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing now is I'm being honest about that expectation. Yeah. And this is where it's a slippery slope because people think, well, my friend wants me to be available every single day. So they must be toxic. And I go, let's be careful though, because genuinely, if this friend has interacted with you every single day like that, and that Mm -hmm. is their expectation. Mm -hmm. Genuinely to honor that that is what they are looking for in a friend. Yeah. You just need to be honest with yourself and they need to be honest with themselves. And this is where the whole thing kind of goes full circle, because you've got to think about if you are trying to unlearn that your needs are not too much. Yes, that your exactly that your expectations are not too much exactly. as long as you're not being coercive and manipulative right. and concerning. If you need a friend that is more emotionally available. Mm-hmm. Right. And your friend is just not cutting it. Right. They just literally are absent or they barely can be talked to or whatever. We need to be radically honest with ourselves mm-hmm. that to become our own authority does mean to advocate for what we would like. Right. So, what yeah. we would like is 
maybe a friend that is more supportive than they are, right? Or that they Mm. are more understanding. And so, for example, if you were like coming at me like, well, you couldn't FaceTime and that's the type of friendship that I want. And I look at you and I say, I need you to understand that the type of person that I am working to become is balancing my own needs Mm -hmm. as well as maintaining friendships that can honor that. So this is not a threat. It is literally asking you to ask yourself, does this work for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for the person on that other end, right? So say they're not a manipulative person. They just, like you said, have a particular expectation for what it is that they are looking for. It gives them the, you stepping into your own authority and basically modeling for them what it looks like to, to listen in and understand what they need and what they are, you know, working towards becoming you modeling that for them gives them the opportunity to do that for themselves and say, okay, so if the type of friend that I need is blank and blank, and this person can't give it to me, well, then maybe there are other friends who could uphold that dynamic with me. And that doesn't mean I lose this person completely. It just means they're not going to be in that type of like bestie role. Cause my bestie role is someone that needs to talk to me every day, but maybe they're just more of my Sunday brunch friend. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's something really, really powerful about the compounding, like in a, in a domino effect way, like you unlearning your own people pleasing gives space to all the other people around you that you interact with to look at their lives more authentically Mm. as well. Right. It's that whole, like, if one of the people are holding their own space firm, it's, it's giving them a choice, right? Are they, are they acknowledging that? Oh yeah, maybe I am. Maybe I am not acknowledging my own needs here either. Right. And it's, Mm. it's tricky. It's tricky because I think about this in intimate partnerships (laughs) and intimate partnerships is a pretty tricky one because we can get like very malicious, toxic things going on here where they're going like, okay, so you can't touch base with me every single day. So like, why are we even married? And I'm like, (laughs) I sit there and it's like, you know, anyone, you know, I'm telling you catching, I'm sure you guys hear it now. Like it's all or nothing. It's like, if you Mm -hmm. can't be everything at all times, then we are not healthy. And I go, a relationship is not an amalgamation of this chunky, weird, like if you guys were watching this, I'm blending my (laughs) hands together. Like you're not some like amalgamation of each other and you cease to be individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. The individual relationship can be a very beautiful entity. And notice I'm saying, and it's not, but it's not either, or it's, and that relationship can be a beautiful thing that you are contributing to together. And that relationship is involved, is involving two completely individual entities and energy systems. Okay. So what that takes, and the reason why this takes so much work in people pleasing is if we are not working with a malicious person, it takes two individuals to honor their own needs Mm -hmm. so strongly Mm -hmm. that they can like advocate for those, communicate for those, and then say, Hey, 
now that I know my needs, see, I like, I mean, I know that like I was using it to my partner, but if me and her were like, you know, dating or something, I'm sitting here and I go, okay, if I'm looking at you and I'm saying, I know what I need, I know my expectations. And those are actually formed from a place of like self analysis. I've actually sat with it. It's not some like wound. It's not some trauma response. I literally realized I need someone who's available to me like this. Okay. If I can articulate that, right. And someone can hear that in a way where it's like, okay. So that means Mm -hmm. that I need to hear their needs And instead of it looking like a threat, like I must become that person, Mm -hmm. right? What you're actually doing is you're acknowledging, okay, so, I mean, I know we use the example of like football. I have an expectation that I want a partner that likes football. Okay. (laughs) What that means, if you are learning self-advocacy and you're not people-pleasing, right? This is why I always joke about the people-pleaser on a date. It's like, However you like your eggs, whatever sport you're into, whatever food you like, whatever thing you're doing. Right. And it's like, you're not a person because you're just an adaptation of whatever they're asserting themselves to be. Right. And so I say, when you're unlearning this, you're learning the actual anchoring points of yourself. So you making a joke, I know this isn't real. Like we're going to be using psychological concepts here, but for the sake of the example, I need a partner that loves football. Okay. In theory, emotionally, this would be like, I need a partner that needs to communicate better. Okay. That like, that's more psychologically founded. Okay. But for the sake of this argument, I'm going to simplify it to football. What that partner is saying is not become a football fan. What that partner is saying is acknowledge that I have an expectation for my relationships and truly autonomously ask yourself if that is a moment, if that is something you really actually have an interest in, are you indifferent? Because there's a lot of things that you're indifferent to. (laughs) Are you indifferent about that need? Or like, it's something that you're like, I could go either way. Like, I don't care if I like show up that way or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or are you adamantly against it? Mm -hmm. If you're literally like, no, I literally cannot do that. Okay. This is where it causes so much dissonance for a reason. Dissonance is not bad. Okay. Dissonance is there to be analyzed. It's there to be curious about. It causes so much dissonance because the internal system inside of you is saying, but we aren't football fans. And at the heart of our hearts, we aren't into it. Mm -hmm. So what that person is saying is they have an expectation that I truly don't align with. So I have a choice now. I either show up, fake it, or I am honoring my own self. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is where unlearning people pleasing ends up turning into someone's own decision of like, are they, is the person you're interacting with self-sovereign? Are they going to honor themselves? Right. Are yeah. they going to appease maybe someone who's more assertive? Because when I say aggressive, like in theory, right. if you are unlearning yeah. people pleasing, you're not the aggressor. You're the, you're the person that's doing something with assertiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. But to someone who's also a people pleaser, they might look at that as, okay, so you're threatening me to be a football fan. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. if I literally say, Hey, that's, that's, I've, I've done a lot of self self 
journaling. I've done a lot of self-work. I'm a football fan. This is just Mm -hmm. who I am. I really want to have someone with me in my journey to do football with. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now is it a threat or am I genuinely saying these are my needs? I need you to do the work to analyze if those are also fitting in your life. Because the last thing I want is a partner that's going to fake it. I do not want someone faking it. Yeah. And so there's, there's so much to unpack here and there's so much nuance because with the intimate partnerships, especially if, if you're unlearning people pleasing after having already established a relationship with this person, with your people pleasing (laughs) tendencies, right. Then it's almost like the relationship itself has already like molded itself to, to a mold, right. That, that was, you know, the ways that you showed up, the ways that they showed up because of either one of you is a people pleaser or both of you are. And all of a sudden now the, the mold cracks and everyone's just like jelly flopping all over the place and nobody knows what shape we're going to take. And it's scary, right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, like what is happening to us? Like we, we used to be so blah, blah. You used to be so blah, blah. And it's like hard to make that adjustment. And so I think one of the things that Jamie and I were talking about was how to make these adjustments slowly and patiently. And over time, it's not something that just overnight, you just one day decide I'm not going to people please anymore. I'm going to say only yes to the things I want to say yes to only and, and, a, and a hard no to things I don't want to do. And everyone else can just deal with the fallout and they'll just right. pick up whatever pieces. Um, that is a way that's an approach Um, a way could try that and see how that goes. But, um, don't be surprised if there's a lot of like turmoil in the background as that happens. Right. And so, uh, what, what I think if you're doing this consciously, you know, conscientiously is that you would involve that other person in your journey and let them know, Hey, you know, I have realized that most of my life I've been like a hardcore people pleaser and I am unlearning some of this now and I'm trying to be a little bit more authentic with myself. And so, you know, if, if I, if I want to have a conversation with you about something that maybe I've noticed in myself that I've showed up in a certain way, and I don't think that that's authentically me anymore. And I don't know if I can keep showing up like that. You know, I just want you to be on board and understand that, like, I'm, I'm doing that work and, and I need us to be able to work through that together and, you know, kind of just like give them a heads up almost <laughs> so that you don't just like one day start being like, no, I don't watch football. And they're like, but we, we always have watch football. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's an important yeah. piece here is how, how to involve the other person, like make sure that they are aware. You don't just, you know, bombard them with a, you know, sudden, like, shift and expect them to react perfectly right away and immediately know how to respond in those situations that are brand new for them. Um, and just kind of like the slowness and also, gosh, it's like, there's so many, it's like a web in my there's brain. So I'm many like layers conceptualizing here. I this, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like literally so many things that go into this because when you were talking about how we show, we, we might say like, okay, you know what? I, this is a need of mine. And, this is what I really need from a partner. Um, even, even in saying that I always allow myself whenever I do kind of like 
share self-discovery parts of myself with another person, I always let them know that like, and even this is subject to change (laughs) just so you know, like right now, this is what's feeling authentic for me. Um, but I acknowledge that I am actually still on a journey. And so I might actually get to a point where this could shift, but just so you're, we're on board. Like, I I just wanted you to know that like, at this point, this is how this is feeling for me. This is what I'm needing right now. Um, because I might then with this, I've noticed with myself is that like, sometimes I've said something more kind of firm sounding like this is just who I am. This is what I need. Mm. Um, but then like a year or two later, as I've continued to unpack or deconstruct or learn, I realize, oh, that need was also a trauma response, or it was some other thing in mm. me that I have now actually shifted and released in some way. And now I feel weird because I told this person that like, this is who I am. And I'm like, not who I am anymore. (laughs) Okay. I mean, but to be fair, I think this is the nature of why relationships that are going to be conscious relationships, ones that are like willfully being intentional. It's that concept of being so honest with your journey, like literally honest and gentle with your journey. Like if you sit there and like, I was sitting there and thinking about like how there was this like wave of people understanding their sexuality recently and realizing like they're like late stage lesbian or whatever, like they call it late in life lesbian or whatever. And I sit there and I go to self, to, to self-discover, okay, is a natural evolution of just it's a, it's an evolution of awareness. Like you're slowly unpacking different parts of yourself and you're realizing, oh, that wasn't something I allowed myself to be exploring. And I wasn't allowing myself to be authentic. So you could look at your partner and be like, I don't know, I'm kind of exploring my sexuality. And if they look at that as like all or nothing, like, okay, well then we might as well get a divorce. It's like, well, me exploring my sexuality doesn't mean that like, I'm not wanting to be married. Right. And so it's almost like every, the entire, that's where that entity, if you're watching, like I'm putting my hands together, but that entity of the relationship has to be anchored in radical authenticity where you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm showing up in a way that is very real and very raw. And I feel safe enough to explore that here with Mm -hmm with you. Right. So that's actually a personal, I mean, I don't even want to say it's a personal, it's, it's, it's a tricky choice for people to, to ask themselves, do I want to do that on my individual energy or do I want to bring that in? Because eventually it does impact the relationship. So it's almost like if we're looking at steps of awareness, it's almost like some of this work on what we need and who we are might I guess I, and this is just me kind of, I'm not saying it's like foolproof method, but one method would be to sit with it individually for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. And not immediately bring it into the entity of the relationship. And I don't mean keep it a secret, but like, let's say you were exploring your sexuality and you genuinely didn't have answers. Like, so if someone asked you, wait, what do you mean? You're like, a lesbian or you're bisexual or whatever, like, and you've been married for 20 years. Right. 
And you're sitting there and you're like, if I genuinely don't feel like I can have those questions, not even answered, but I can even like explore those questions. Maybe I need to sit with this individually and ask myself, like, what do I need to understand before I bring this into an other situation, Mm -hmm. like an external situation. And so that's where it gets tricky because people are like, you have a thought you might immediately have to share that with your partner. Right. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's like, this is what we mean by like self discovery and like honoring. Are you, I don't want to say soothing the aggressor, but it's like, for example, if the relationship and you're trying to please like the nature of the relationship and you're like, okay, well, I kind of have a hint that I might be like leaning or have a more bigger of a spectrum of my sexuality than I thought I did. And then you constantly self-deflect and you people please that out of you. You literally say, no, 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 I can't ruffle feathers. Mm -hmm. I just need to keep quiet. And I just need to like, keep the peace. Right. You say, I just gonna, I'm going to please like the system, the family system, and I'm not going to disrupt my own, my own life. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well now what we're actually talking about is a relationship with your own authenticity, which is, if this is your truth. You genuinely need to ask that question towards yourself. So, cause what's interesting in that situation is you were people pleasing without ever even giving voice to the entity or entities you were stopped at freezing too. You literally just internalized this other person's potential voice as to how you think they might react and what you think might happen if you speak these thoughts out loud. And so you just play their version, like your version of who you think they are. You just play their lines in your head and you just sit there and you have this little conversation where like you're saying your lines and their lines, but you're not actually giving them an opportunity to be a real responder in that situation. You just made up their script for them in your own brain and betrayed your authenticity as a result. Exactly. Which is where I think some of them were playing old stories and applying them into like new pages. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are old stories. Like maybe you were wounded. Like you did try to show up to your mom when you were little about like, I really want to like dye my hair. I want to do something new or I want to do something out of the box or I'm, I'm having this inclination to like advocate for myself or I want to try to date this person. Right. And they go, we don't do that. That's not what we do in this family. Right. Or something like some, some old story of like how, that conversation when is getting applied to your new relationships. And you got to remember sometimes <laughs> this is, this is actually where, like, I mean, I think about a lot of the clients I worked with when they speak to these, these conversations, they, the stories that they're playing are actually stories of other people's lives. So I hear a common That's narrative right. is mm-hmm. I would talk to my parents about sexuality, but I've heard how they talk about my cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's gay. Yeah. And that's interesting because it's not actually, I wouldn't even say that that person has a false story. It's that they're realizing that their authentic self is a threat to the family. Yes, exactly. Not, that family is not willing to hold space for them. So the people pleasing isn't always anchored in a false narrative. It's anchored in a narrative that's kind of solidified and realizing that showing up authentically and actually holding firm your own needs and wants and desires for your life is a threat to the family system. And some people will choose the family system over themselves. Mm -hmm. 
This is a, this is a very common thing that, that is sadly a theme I see in a lot of people I'm working with is that why do you think toxic relationship recovery and authenticity are so linked? It's because at some point you had to choose mm-hmm. whose narrative gets to win over my life. Exactly. And if it's the family's narrative, which is we're not like that. We don't get to talk about, like, we don't get to hold space for those problems. We get to normalize all the, all the traumas and abuses that we do. Then you having an issue with it, you are dampened. You are silenced. You are, you are shut off in some way. And that's what that whole, I mean, I know we're using people pleasing, but like the constant fawning of the aggressor, the constant, I will soothe the system instead of myself, honestly creates so much dissonance that it shows up constantly in the body, right? We can't, we can go full circle. This will show up in your body. It's going to show up in your body. Okay. And whether that's viscerally, like really like chronic stuff and I'm not saying every illness is linked to this. Okay. Please don't come at me in my email, (laughs) but like there are things about our psyche that it speaks to. And when people are like, I just have these chronic problems that just like, don't go away. And if I sit there and I go, well, what is going on with your voice? Like what's going on with your internal system? Because if you feel as though you can't say anything or advocate for yourself in any way, your body is constantly agitated. It's just constantly saying, when is it our turn? And I think this, um, this reminds me of something we talked about in like one of our very first episodes ever about the importance of social safety, um, Mm -hmm. and how much of a factor that is in people's lives where we need that. We literally need that as human beings. We need to be in community with at least some other people, right? Like we are not wired to live on an Island. We're not wired for it. And so if your church community or your family or you, whatever social situation you're in, um, is all that you have that you can't even conceptualize a life outside of that, then of course you're going to stick with your people pleasing Mm. traits because you don't really have any other option at that point. Um, and so that's what I would say is like another really essential part of your whole journey to authenticity is to make sure that you are connecting with other people who are also working on an authentic journey of their own and who are able to be supportive of you, who you are authentically, um, which I know sometimes is easier said than done. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not trying to make that seem like it's easy. I'll just, you know, put out an ad, uh, you know, <laughs> and run it on TikTok and say, who wants to be my friend? And all of a sudden, no, that's not how it goes. You know, like I know that it's hard. I know that it's really hard. And I, and I, what I, what I want to say too, is that like, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily look outside of your community because you might find, Hey, you know what? I do have one or two cousins in this family system that I connect with, or my one sibling who understands me and I understand them and we can connect authentically. I do have, you know, a couple of people that I'm friends with who, even if a lot of the other people in this system or family or structure or whatever are going to eventually reject me for whatever it is that I decide to stop people pleasing to, 
Um, I'm not entirely alone. I think that's really important for people to connect with and make sure that you feel socially safe with at least some individuals in your life. Um, and that gives you a lot more stability in moving forward with unlearning your people pleasing. Right. I think that's such a good way to speak to how much community is part of our healing. And that community has to be a very particular type of community. It's, it's sad because (laughs) I don't want to say there's piranhas out there, but people are vulnerable. And so when they're healing, there are communities out there that will like search for, Mm. they just need a new anchor and we'll be the anchor and we'll tell them exactly who they are. And we'll tell them. And I go, guys, that's not the point. You don't need a new community to tell you who you are. You need your own authority to say, I need a community to respect however I show up. So, you know, if I find myself in a community, that's honestly not honoring that Mm -hmm. or I I mean, I would say even worse, they say, okay, cool. Like, I'm glad you're on this journey, but like, we're the only way. So like, we're the right way to do that. Right. I go, okay, Mm -hmm. well, first of all, that's a, that's a interchange between authority, right? They're speaking, they have an authority over something like even on this podcast, like we'll talk about strategies, but we're, we're talking about there's millions of strategies out there. We're talking about main points of healing and trying to understand that there are so many different paths to healing. Like I have a lot of people that are in very alternative ways where they go body Mm -hmm. first and they do all body work first, right? They don't Mm -hmm. do a lot of this awareness work. They do it afterwards. And I go, that's their journey. And And that's that's what makes sense to their trauma. And that's how they heal. So even when you guys hear us speak to this, like you might get introduced to something that resonates so much deeper and you might have this level of awareness, but you're doing some other type of healing method and it resonates so much more radically. The only thing I would warn you on is making sure that's resonating from your own vibration, not somebody else's. It's not somebody else's plan for you. It's not somebody else's like Reiki healer or someone saying, no, 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 this is the truth. This is, I got the herbs. I got the thing. I go, okay, just, just ask yourself, does this feel as though I'm directing the space? I'm directing the energy. That's part of, because think about it, ready? You're in variation, just pleasing whoever's asserting themselves over your own authority, right? Like, oh, well, I have the best way. Oh, okay. I'll listen. It's like, well, you don't have to listen, (laughs) right? You don't, you don't have to listen. Do you not agree with them? Right. Do you not agree with them? Right. I should tell you guys this story. Again, the thing about like, have you even taken time to decide for yourself how you feel about that? Or are you just going along with something else? Oh my God. Okay. So I should end you guys with this story. This was so funny. Okay. So I, back in the day, I was like, I still have hippie vibes, but I was very, um, very crunchy granola. Okay. So I was very, very like natural living. Okay. And the moment I started realizing, oh my God, I have reached another level of unlearning my people pleasing is (laughs) I was super, super crunchy. And I mean, not that I'm not that anymore, but I have definitely leaned more into the gray, like sure. Some of my life is crunchy. Some of it's like very not crunchy, (laughs) Um, but we were at the pool and I was on vacation and mind you, I was on vacation. So I was already in the mindset of like, 
I kind of got to focus on me. Like this is my own time, that kind of thing. Okay. And this woman comes over and just starts like, I was over by the hot tub and she just starts up this conversation. And immediately I was like, I don't want to be in this conversation. Like my brain immediately was like, I don't want to spend time talking about this topic. It was something about like her industry that she was in. She was talking about her job and like, she started name dropping. So of course I was like, Oh my God, I grew Um, like she was like night name dropping clients. And I was like, okay. Um, and immediately my brain was like, I don't want to waste any moment of my vacation talking to this woman. So I wasn't rude. I wasn't like bye, but because it was the nature of like a group, like people were all like kind of hanging out in the hot tub. I just kind of got up. I was like walking over like to a different area and I just like got up and walked away. And my partner, my husband was like next to me and he was like starting to talk to her and he was talking to her for about like 15 minutes and he comes over and he was like, Oh my God that conversation was so hard and it was so frustrating. And because he was a doctor and she was talking about like, so different about like very, very intense alternative things. And like, basically like totally talking about health privilege and like how she doesn't need medicine and all this stuff. Anyways, um, I'm going to get digress, but this concept of like, he stayed in that conversation for 15 more minutes and I was in it for about five. And so that whole thing took about 20 minutes and I sat there and I go, I immediately knew I didn't want to be in that conversation. So I just advocated for my own peace of mind and I walked away. I wasn't rude. I wasn't like, Oh my God, you're annoying. I had, I'm walking away. Right. But I genuinely just took the pace of the experience. Like people were going in and out of the hot tub. And so I just, once she was in like a positive conversation, I just kind of walked up and walked over to my chair. And I'm telling you guys this story because when I tell you past versions of me would have just tolerated anything that person would have thrown at me, they would have just Mm -hmm. started a conversation. They would have been like, yeah, do you have interest in this? And I'd be like, I don't really know about it. And they'd be like, do you want to know? And I'd be like, I guess, you know, and I would just start. And this is what we mean by like, it shows up in the smallest instances in our lives. And that's exactly why my brain took note when I advocated for myself. The only reason I remember this story so vividly is because my brain said, thanks for like not making us stay there. Cause that was like really annoying. And I didn't want to be around that situation. Right. That's why my brain took note because there were so many times growing up, I would sit there in conversations that I genuinely didn't want to attend. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to be fair, yeah. like, you know, there's nuances here. You can be like, not have to be super rude about everything, but genuinely I was on vacation. There was no reason for me to sit there and have to like talk to a stranger. I didn't even know her. Right. And so it's that yeah. concept of like, I've heard people tell me CA, they will people please the cashier. Absolutely. Because the cashier asked them a question and they felt guilty and they're like, Oh, do you need like, do you, you know, like, it's fine. I'll go do this. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, absolutely. We can be kind. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. You can be kind, but to be fair, if you have generalized to the greater non-engaged deep relationships in your life, and you are trying to like appease every single person that you're interacting with, you genuinely have to ask the question, where do you get a turn? to actually Mm -hmm. hold your own peace sovereign over your life. And what I want to say here is that there's almost like a dysphoria in the brain of people pleasers surrounding on the concept of like energetic or emotional boundaries. We 
tend to completely like overblow the effect that we might have on the other person. (laughs) And so like we, what we might hope is, you know, so, so right. You're learning about this, right. And Jamie, the therapist on the unlearn podcast said that here's a great script. Why don't you try it out? And so I tried it out and immediately your brain starts bombarding you with this person hates you. That was so rude. I can't believe you said that you can't show up like that. How dare you? You know, cause you have this like internalized sense of like, you can't ever advocate for yourself. And so when you start doing it, you have literal like dysphoria about how that's being received versus what I want to talk about is like, guys, if you're listening to this, there are people out there that are like 5 billion times more assertive than you and have, have used extremely aggressive or assertive language to advocate for themselves. And you putting up a very small self-energetic boundary of yourself of walking out of a hot tub because you're not in the mood to have that conversation. I promise you there's somebody out there who would have reacted to that situation, like far more rude, right? The way that your brain's telling you that was so rude. No, it wasn't. Somebody out there actually has reacted very rudely to this situation. And it wasn't, it, that's not what you just did. So exactly. And I think you're right. I think there's a concept of overinflation or overimportance on that conversation. Like you might be like, well, maybe she didn't have any friends and she didn't have anyone to talk to about like, right there. This is where the empathy people that are like, I just wanted to be supportive to her. And I go, yeah, there's (laughs) only the reason to reject yourself. There's always a reason to reject yourself. You could be like, well, I mean, they just, they just seemed like they needed someone to listen. And I go, okay, but like genuinely, why did it have to be you? Yeah, exactly. And so people even hear this, I'm telling you, there are going to be people that hear this and they're gonna be like, I mean, that's kind of cruel. Like you're not like, you know, and I go, okay, this is where you have to ask yourself where you are on the journey. If you hear us talking about this story and you think that me not holding space for a stranger talking to me about a topic that I literally do not genuinely have any interest in. And it really is unnecessary for me to sit there and be exposed to me just like gently, like not, I wasn't walking in the middle of a conversation. It was genuinely like the natural pause of the conversation. I just kind of got up and we were in a collective conversation. People were talking in, amongst themselves and I just got up and walked away. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's this concept of like, if you see that as like too much, I genuinely challenge you to ask yourself, why, why is that too much? Why is it too mm-hmm. much to sit there and ask yourself? I don't, I'm not going to willfully like take responsibility for people that Mm -hmm. that's not my responsibility. Your responsibility primarily needs to be actually balanced with like your own needs as well as the external. And when the external becomes everybody, okay, Mm -hmm. everybody, I have to go help this person. I have to help this person. I have to be the friend to the person that I just met. Like that actually is not very healthy. It leads to a lot of instances where you're going to have the dissonance, you know? Right. All right. So we're going to wrap up this topic, but we are so grateful. We do have one thing we have to do before we leave. And that's thanking our new Patreon. We have have Patreon. 
Yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like we should make up a song for Patreon. Patreon, we love you. Um, we're gonna work on it. We're gonna work on it. Stay tuned, people. Okay, so we have three new ones, and we have Christina, Jaden, and Rika. We are hoping we are pronouncing your name correctly, but if we did not, please email us and tell us how to say it correctly, and we will correct it. We are an advocate of pronunciation and making sure mm-hmm. names are pronounced right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, we just wanted to thank you and we appreciate you being a part of our little podcast within a podcast and our little behind the scenes group. Yay. So thank you again. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work